So welcome to the Balanced Boss podcast. Today we've got a really, really special and lovely guest. Um, we've got Abby with us, who is a food and body freedom coach. She helps women break free from diet culture, reconnect with their bodies and heal their relationships with food and themselves. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to sit down and have this talk. When you you but what we were going to talk about I was like this is it I'm so excited this stuff needs to be heard and talked about it definitely does the thing we're going to be talking about today is there's something that I don't really hear people talk about a lot I think I hear people talk a lot about either diet culture relationship with food body image and then in terms of mindset, success, the things that I talk about, it's separated a lot. And I don't think many people actually make the connection between the two and how one is actually impacting the other and potentially vice versa. So I think it's quite good to be able to almost just bring the two worlds together and just open people's eyes to the connection between the two. This is it because for me, I always notice that all things are connected. And once you unravel one thing, it starts to unravel others. So yeah, on my journey of healing, I started noticing little things that linked into every area of my life. And I was like, okay, people don't realize how big this actually is. <laughs> it is so important. While she brought it up, I think that's a really good place to start. So me and I have been met about, was it nine or 10 years ago now? Yeah, um, 10 years <laughs> Maybe more, okay, oh, more than I thought. So we used to work together and it's actually really nice that we've kind of come full circle now and now we're both in the coaching world. Um, so we reconnected, I think it was sometime last year. And the Abby that I remember from that time is not the Abby that <laughs> I see sitting here. Obviously you can only listen to this, but we're on um, a video call. And obviously people change like people should change if you're not changing you're not growing but there seems to be such a difference how did like what was that journey for you how did you get where you are now yeah so if I think back to who I was then it's interesting because I kind of got into spirituality and wellness and all those things not long after we'd met um but before that, up to that point, my entire life revolved around what I looked like, what other people's perceptions of me were. And I feel like that was taking up so much energy in my life that there wasn't that much room for anything else. So I planned to go to university and do that whole standard thing, you know, go get a degree, go into a job. I study forensic science. <laughs> don't do anything remotely related to that anymore but I was always very kind of like um following what other people wanted me to do essentially and a lot of what I was doing at the time was based on like my parents expectations of me societal expectations of you leave school you get a degree you work a job whether you kind of like it or not mm -hmm. and when I look back on it I'm like maybe I felt like there was like a lack of control there or something because I started restricting my eating um smoking like all these things that were really awful for me and I had no no love for myself really and I did all these things to 
manipulate the way that I looked so that other people on the outside would, I don't know, love me more, find me more valuable, more worthy of spending time with all those things that I think we do unconsciously without realizing. And I remember I started realizing that my health wasn't so great. It's like I'd be going up the stairs and I'd be out of breath. And I was like, okay, I need to get into fitness. Mum and dad had always been into fitness. I was like, that's the next thing. And it was an interesting transition. Like I quit smoking, started going to the gym, started eating a lot better, looking after my body. But I kind of replaced one disordered behavior with another. And that spiraled into like obsessive fitness, obsessive clean eating. <laughs> if anyone's got it, for anyone who can't see, clean eating is an in inverted commas. Yeah. <laughs> Just because you actually can't see it. <laughs> It's not actually that we're using to describe food. <laughs> um, and I just went into this whole world where I was obsessed with that. I was like tracking macros, counting calories, trying this diet, trying that diet, whatever was going to make me look the best, um, how I was going to get the biggest bum, smallest waist, all of those like things that we've probably all done. But it became a real obsession for me. Um, and... I moved away to the Channel Islands and I was quite lonely and that became kind of like my my relationship with food and exercise became kind of like what I did. It was like an identity that I created for myself and without that identity, without controlling like what I put in my body in some way, I didn't really know who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and people used to say to me, oh, you're so healthy. I wish I had your willpower. Oh, wow. Like, you're so fit. You're so into the gym. And like, underneath all that, like, I was eating that up because that was the identity I created. But underneath, like, they didn't know or see the fact that pretty much every thought I had was obsessed or focused around that, the restriction that I was putting on myself. And like, just how horribly I'd speak to myself underneath all of that. So... I kind of came to a point where I realized that I was living my entire life for everyone else mm-hmm. and that I was controlling it through this way of exercise and food. Um, had a really big breakup with my partner at the time, moved back to Liverpool, which is where, where we're both from. And just something snapped inside me where I was like, I've been living my life for years for like all these other people controlled by obsessive thoughts and this horrible voice that's always nagging at me in my head. I was like, something needs to change. And I'd already been meditating for a while for what I thought were kind of like health reasons to just, I guess, um, calm myself down a little bit because I used to be a much more intense person. And I started really slowing down and noticing and like who the voice the real me was underneath that negative voice and it was just like me as a child like this like innocent person who was like just wanted to enjoy themselves and create all this impact and help other people and like be loving underneath all of this shit that society had like piled on top of me and um I started just connecting to that and really unraveling and fast forward (laughs) let's say what four or five years now and here I am where I'm at a space where I love I love my body I love myself I value myself and I want to make sure that other people have the tools to be able to to do that for themselves like I think we don't realize how 
nasty we are to ourselves or how much we put other people before us or how, or how much we live for other people's opinions mm-hmm. I think and, go on <laughs> go on carry on I was just gonna say it's it's crazy how when you realize these things and start unraveling the freedom that you feel is like you can't you can't explain it until you experience it it's amazing I want to go back to the bit you said about when other people were commenting Mm-hmm. This is something that I experienced. Obviously, I started out as personal trainer. I was very much involved in that world. And it was it was a tricky place to be because I didn't agree with a lot that was going on there. And mm-hmm. I kind of had to find a way, well, not find a way, create a way of coaching. And it, it wasn't something that I realized straight away. It was maybe like a year or two down the line create a different way of working with people that wasn't focused on the aesthetics as much which is very difficult to do when you do a job like that because that's why people come to you and something that was a really big realization was the validation and the comments that people would get and how complicated it is to work with that because when people comment on how you look they think they're giving you a compliment mm-hmm. or they are like they they do it to give you a compliment they're not they're doing it you know out of love in their perspective what they don't realize a lot of the time is you're either feeding into or encouraging a behavior that might not be healthy for someone or something that I've know people have experienced in the past people commenting on how good they look because they look really thin and actually they've got an eating disorder so you're feeding that beast how do we get past or how do we how can we start complimenting people in a way that makes them feel good without doing just that without feeding the beast without feeding into something that's actually more damaging especially if we don't know what's going on in that person's life like is is there is there is there words we should avoid is there a way we should approach it should we just not comment at all on what people look like like it's it's so complicated (laughs) but but what would you say to that for me I'm glad you picked up on that because this is something that I think a lot of people are realizing that they perhaps shouldn't say certain things and they're feeling like they're tiptoeing around or like walking on eggshells when it comes to wanting to compliment a friend or a family member or whatever it is hard and fast rule that I live by don't comment on people's bodies ever full stop unless they ask you to unless they invite you to that conversation Mm -hmm. don't comment on people's bodies and I know that sounds quite um blunt and like strict but think of it this way as you've just mentioned if someone has even if they've been you know specifically putting their energy into losing weight it's your body your choice if that's what you want to do with your body by all means Mm -hmm. um by commenting to someone oh you look great you look really slim there's a few things that you're doing whether whether they are involved in disordered eating or not if that was their goal you're actually confirming to them and that they look better slimmer and so you're creating a fear that if they ever put weight on mm. you're not going to view them as attractive lovable whatever it is 
it's also a commentary on other people's bodies mm-hmm. if i praising someone anytime they've lost weight they've sh- shrunk their bodies whatever it is they're doing you're reinforcing the idea that thinner is better and it's not yeah that's like a societal concept that's being put on us especially as women we are taught to shrink ourselves from a young age and that's not just about our bodies that's about like our ideas our voices it feeds into all these other things about existing as a woman on this planet where we're always told to stay small Mm -hmm. and so I think whenever we decide to make a comment on someone's body one it's it's kind of none of our business anyway (laughs) two it's reinforcing all of these ideas that are complete bullshit and I keep I've been keeping us really quiet and small and so if you want to give someone a compliment think about all of the things like how does that person make you feel what is amazing about that person so you could say to someone like oh look at your beaming smile it's so nice to see you or um you know you can comment on someone's outfit if you love the outfit like that dress looks really good on you you don't you look skinny in that dress yeah you know it, there's just a slight difference and so if you spend a bit of time thinking about how you compliment people or the way that you make these comments you can just adjust it you can still give people compliments you can tell them that they're glowing that you're so excited to see them that they make you feel so loved and supported all of these things just don't comment on their body <laughs> it's really yeah, that's the fact the cl- the fashion thing tends to be what I go for and it's it's not that I'm doing it on purpose like I'm saying it for the sake of saying it I've I've never been someone who commented on weight anyway, mm-hmm. or bodies anyway. But yeah, I, I definitely go for, oh, you really suit that colour or that, you know, that really suits you, right. or that style really suits you. But yeah. I think what I actually wasn't planning on saying, but it just came to me. I think if you're someone who does have to think twice about the compliments, that's quite a good clue for yourself. Mm-hmm. Because if your natural instinct is to comment on someone's body or comment on someone's shape or give someone a compliment because of their weight or their body, I think it's worth just taking a second and reflecting on it and thinking, okay, why do I see that as a compliment? Like, why do I choose that to say to somebody? And I think it's quite reflective of how you feel about yourself. And it might make you realize things about yourself that you didn't realize. Like if you're commenting on giving someone a compliment because they look slim, you it, it could be telling you that you value being slim over not being as slim. And you might not have realized that. Yeah, what we're coming out with is like internalized views and we're we're projecting it onto other people. So whether we realize we're doing that or not, we might be saying something to someone with love to try and make them feel good. However, when it comes to how we perceive and comment on people's bodies, especially commenting on other women's bodies, it says a lot about how you judge your own. Yeah. I know that when I was very much in um really disordered eating and really struggling with my body image I was much more critical um comparative and like just watching other women's bodies because I was always comparing it back to my own um and whether I was outwardly commenting on them or not there was a running commentary in my head yeah so I think yeah so that's that start and practice of just being aware of how you do compliment someone 
and just reflecting on that and linking it back to, you know, what does that say about how I comment on my own body? What message am I giving out to, to everyone else essentially about how we value bodies? Because it's such a knock-on effect. Mm-hmm. I like to stand together and say, you know, these conversations, oh, you, oh, you, you're an off lost weight or, oh, well, I'm going on holiday in however long I've got a stone to lose. And it's yeah. like this little way that women bond sometimes where they'll stand and like bash their own body who can speak to themselves the worst. Mm-hmm. And it's like this weird little circle that we can get dragged into. So it's just kind of being aware of those things and yeah, just deciding not, not to take that, make that comment. Um, is, is a powerful first step. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't even realise that it's it's a negative mindset. I think we've been brought up. I, I, I think for maybe teenagers now, it's, I think it's the two extremes. One, it's almost harder and worse because we've got social media and we've got all the filters and all, all that kind of stuff. But then we've also got a really big body positivity movement at the moment. So I think there's like, it's almost like a clash of the two. So it's the two extremes. And I suppose it depends what world you're paying attention to, what you're going to be influenced by. But I feel like when we were growing up, it was more to the extreme of, you know, skinny was best. And it was very much, it was like diet culture was a real it was a real big thing, but it was normal. Like it was, it was normal for like your mum to be going to Slim and World, for like most people's mums to be going to some sort of Slim and Club or be on some sort of diet. And it wasn't, it wasn't a strange thing. It was just very normal. So I think because of that, a lot of people probably more around our generation, they don't actually realise the potency of the language that they use to other people and also to themselves but so that would be one way I suppose to start identifying like if you've got an unhealthy relationship with your body moving on to more nutrition and food how do people identify if they have got that poor relationship in in a in a generation where we've been brought up around around that how do people actually identify it so they can start putting things in place to make a change yeah so I'll answer that in a second I just want to unpack something that you said there which leans into this mm-hmm. culture when we were growing up was very in your face but very normalized so we had like magazines of look at the cellulite on this celebrity's legs mm-hmm. you know so and so is now a three sizes bigger than she was last year yeah and all these horrible things that were splashed across the media and that was very normal and as she said things like slim and world weight watchers was a really common thing fast forward to now people growing up now diet culture is much more insidious mm-hmm. so it's kind of morphed into something that's been accepted so wellness culture um, and the fitness industry mm-hmm. so these things are look they've kind of been given this label of like it's looking after yourself and that's not to say all of wellness and, and fitness is wrong at all. Like looking after ourselves is so important. But the messages that were being given by those industries are just diet culture, often rebranded yeah. in something that has this appeal. Um, so I think it, it can be quite hard to notice certain signs within yourself because 
it's encouraged as normal. So a couple of the things that you can notice and everyone has done this. I know you've spoken about this before as well, is how you label foods. Yeah, this is a big, so, big, big thing for me. so huge because, because it links to morality, like people feeling guilt around foods or naming it as bad or naughty or wrong or naming themselves as having been good or really feeling like they're even a better person because they spent a week like you know sticking to a certain diet not eating any chocolate not having a glass of wine whatever it is for each person is linking food directly to how good a person you are yeah and that just doesn't make any sense like when you break it down eating a bar of chocolate does not make you a bad person doesn't make you naughty you've done nothing to feel guilty about and in the same way that eating a salad doesn't make you mother Teresa, like it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> change who you are intrinsically as a person but we've been very much convinced to um again it's like an identity thing where we want to place like labels and identities on ourselves and we've done that by labeling food mm-hmm. as good and bad. Like no food is bad unless it's literally rotten and it's gone off and you can't eat it. Like all food has some kind of nutritional value. Some are just more nutritious than others. Yeah. Um, so that's a really big one, I think, noticing how you label foods. Do you speak to yourself poorly when you've maybe had a drink over the weekend or had a takeaway or whatever it is? Another one that you can notice is comparison mm-hmm. with other people. I think we all compare ourselves in some way, but when it's a very consistent comparison, and this can be bodies, but it can also be food. So you know those videos that like fitness influencers and wellness people post of like what I eat in a day. Yeah. So like my 1200 calorie day or yeah. my high protein vegan day or whatever it is. And I think in some circumstances you know like showing people kind of like what you eat or recipes that you use or little kind of like tips and hacks I have no problem with that because nutrition is still an important thing but I think these kind of like what I eat in a day videos encourages people to compare what they're eating to what that other person is am I eating a similar amount am I eating too often am I eating as inverted commas clean again (laughs) as they are so that comparison if you're very regularly doing that that's something to note whether it's about your food your body both or even about your life like we literally live in comparison culture and it's very easy to get sucked in and very normalized but it is not that is not normal behavior (laughs) I used to get asked this quite a lot by clients and I I used to post I went before I fully like qualified and started coaching I started changing the things that I was posting it was all food posts and it was mainly to do with like recipes and you know hacks like snack hacks like put like stuff in a jar for work so you're not going yeah. to like the vendor machine and like, it was that kind of stuff and I used to get asked all the time what do you eat like what do you eat and it was people think that if they eat what someone if 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 someone admires the body of somebody else yep. or the lifestyle of somebody else they think if they replicate their diet they will look like them or they will automatically have a certain kind of lifestyle 
Yeah. So again, it was it was like that comparison. It was like, well, what do you eat to look like that? What do you eat to have this energy? What do you eat? And I think while it's useful to get tips off people, and obviously, like you said, like recipes and stuff like that, no one diet works for everyone. Mm-hmm. So there's no there's no blueprint for what you should eat. And another thing that used to come up all the time was how much should I eat? Is this a serving size? Is this a portion size? And it's like, well, your portion size is your portion size. I can't tell you what your portion size is. Like if if you're full, that's your portion size. If you're still hungry, you probably wouldn't want to eat a little bit more. Like it's all these standards and like food packaging and serving sizes and people overcomplicated so much, I think. And not wanting to educate themselves either that then it's so much easier for them to just copy somebody else rather than actually taking the time for themselves to do it. Yeah, two two big things there. Um, So people fail to understand that body diversity is like a really real thing. So you can do the exercise routine you could live a near enough identical life and you could eat the exact food that someone else eats. Your body is not going to look the same as them. Unless naturally you have quite similar bodies already, then yeah. perhaps. Yeah. But generally, it doesn't work like that. And I think that's a bit of a hard pill for some people to swallow because they may have spent many years of their life chasing a certain ideal around their bodies. And this was all like a much deeper, bigger thing. We just think oh, I want to look like so-and-so, but why do we want to look like that person? Because we've been told and conditioned by diet culture, by society, by mostly a patriarchal view of our world that women's bodies, to fit in this ideal acceptable standard, should fit into a certain mould. And that if you're anything outside of that, and the further outside of that you get, the less like lovable, attractive, valuable and worthy that you are. And so the fact that so many women strive so desperately to reach this and fit within this ideal standard is so understandable because that's what we've literally been taught. It's almost like a kind of like a survival mechanism. And when you realise that and start breaking away and noticing the things that you've been told, you kind of start thinking, fuck you why should I fit into that standard like you're telling me who to be and that doesn't make any sense like if we were all the same how boring would that be yeah exactly and I suppose following that trend you're only setting the next generation up to also have that mindset exactly and your kids will have, have that mindset and I think where I'm quite lucky is that I didn't really pick up on any of the the diet culture that was around like at home because I, I remember my mom was always on a diet she was always doing something always doing like slimmer world or something I for some reason I just didn't really pick up on it I think it's just because I was always but again this comes back to weight so obviously it did affect me so what I was just about to say is I was always really sporty and I was always doing sports so I was never overweight, so I didn't have to think about it. But there's that thing in my head with, yeah. with the weight thing that I didn't even realise was there. So it's like, it is, it's like it's ingrained. That's it. When you start talking about it and thinking about it, you'll, you'll probably go away from this conversation and notice loads of things. And that's like one of the big things I get people to do when they start working through this healing work is like going back and looking at 
when you first noticed, saw certain behaviours, messages and so on. Um, I just wanted to pick up on like what we were talking about with people saying to you, like clients coming along being like, what do you eat? How, like, what are your snacks? What, how many calories do you have? How much should I eat? This is again, like another um, tool that's being used to make us always look externally for the answers. Yeah. And this, this goes for like pretty much everything in our lives, but, but food and exercise is a massive, very like tangible example where we're constantly looking for like what's that person eating or asking someone else to tell you what you should eat yeah why would they know your body's better than you do mm. why would an external person know what you need better than you they don't like I this kind of like cuts off when it comes to like medical conditions and things like that obviously we need doctors and medical professionals to help us with those things but when it comes to your own personal like hunger signals fullness signals what kind of exercise feels good how much sleep you need just what feels good in your body we've been taught not to tap into those signals we've been taught to ignore them which is what happens on diets we ignore our hunger signals and after a while we stop noticing them or they start switching off or we're not paying attention to them anyway or we lose trust in our own bodies mm-hmm. we think that our personal trainer that pet that influence or influencer online whoever it is our friend who's lost weight over and over again that their um way of doing things that the way they eat is what we should listen to like we're always reaching for that when actually when you tap into your own body signals and your own intuitive um, knowing of like what's best for you, which we all have if we slow down, we're usually just going too fast to, to notice it. You'll start to realize that, okay, well, so-and-so eats this much, but I'm still really hungry when I do that. And therefore I feel really distracted. I feel grumpy. And like, you know, all of like an extra snack in the afternoon or a bit of a bigger portion size at dinner could literally like, you could be having these productive days where you're not just thinking about food so I think slowing down and tapping into those signals is something we have been convinced that we don't need to do and that's like a huge thing as well because it means that if we're always looking outside of us for the answer we're fueling these industries you'll spend money (laughs) on what they're telling you so they don't want you to for your own answers because they're going to lose out when we all start to be these sovereign beings that can notice our own signals Mm -hmm. definitely that's something so I used to do relationship with food coaching in either with clients or separate from that and I I stopped I stopped advertising it but I am doing it with someone now who just kind of came in like behind the scenes Mm -hmm. and what we're experiencing now is what's always been a pattern in the past even though I ask people not to weigh themselves throughout the process they still don't because they're curious and they want to know what they're always really surprised (laughs) about is when they start tapping into their hunger and fullness signals they're really surprised that they either don't gain weight or actually they lose usually lose some weight and it's because if you're starting to eat if you're starting to really tune into what your body needs, you're less likely to eat more than it needs to maintain your weight anyway. And I know this isn't about weight, but I just think with the whole trust, I think one of the reasons people don't trust themselves with food is because they're scared of gaining weight. Yes, 
that's the evidence that's shown in the past. Like when I let myself eat whatever I want, I gain weight. Mm -hmm. But because they haven't done the other way to go along with it, but actually when they start tuning in and trusting themselves, the weight doesn't even become something they're even thinking about anymore because it regulates itself anyway because you're really listening. And it doesn't mean that you you only eat things that you need. Like you still eat things that you want and maybe you're not hungry for. It's not, you're not tapping into your hunger and fullness signals every single time you eat something. Yeah. But you become so used to doing it automatically that you just start regulating naturally without trying. Exactly, yeah. This, if we look at, you put a plate of food in front of like a toddler or something, we have very natural, intuitive ways of eating. So, you know, say you put like three or four different options, like some fruit, some like little crisps, like, I don't know, a little chicken nugget or something in front of a toddler, they will pick up and eat what feels good, what, like what do they want? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And although like we may not kind of, you know, we don't say to them, what do you want? And well, we do say to them what you want and I want that, but naturally they're just kind of picking up on what's going to feel good to them at the time or what sounds good or tastes nice. They eat it. Any bits that they don't really want, they leave. Yeah. After they're done, they are done. Like toddlers are literally known for like flinging their food away when they don't want it. So it's like, you know, our bodies naturally have that innate ability. But again, like I said before, like dieting, going through all of that disordered behavior for many years erodes our trust in our bodies. Yeah. We no longer believe that if we allow ourselves permission to eat, that we're not just going to lose control. We're not going to be face planting tubs of ice cream every night. And it's like, when you do first give yourself permission, you might eat yeah more than than what you have done previously because you probably need to eat more if you've spent a lot of time on diets and restricting but it will gradually taper off and you'll just start naturally choosing what feels good having some enjoyment when you feel like you need it and stopping eating when you're full like that's just a natural ability for us um, and I know people are really curious about their weights, but one of the big things that I tell people to do is throw away scales. Yeah. Get rid of them. I haven't weighed myself in two years. I've got no idea how much I weigh. Mm-hmm. I know for me, when I gave myself permission to eat and healed my relationship with food, I have put weight on. I'm probably about two stone heavier than I used to be. Mm-hmm. And that's fine, but that's because my my body needed that. Yeah. <laughs> like for, I'm healthier, happier. And pursuing so much more in life now than I ever was before. Mm-hmm. And I look back at pictures and sometimes like I can't, you know, that little voice does still come up where I'm like, oh, like look how slim or toned I was there. And then I'm like, hang on a minute. Yeah. Like my body's amazing. It does all these things for me. And my life is so much bigger and better now that if it means me going back to that to be a bit slimmer, I don't want that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think also about like, you know, as you said, a lot of people who have struggled with food, once they start intuitively eating, generally they maintain their weight or they might even lose a little bit. Mm-hmm. For me, I was clearly at a weight that was too low for my like natural body type. And so I've put some weight on, which is also fine. But um, I think it's like dropping that mindset around what you what you weigh just doesn't actually matter it's like how you experience in life and how you feel that matters so tapping into like how do you want to feel who do you want to be and all of these other questions rather than how much do you want to weigh 
Definitely. I want to dig into that more, but before I do, I just want to pop back to the toddler point, just in case there's any parents listening. Mm. And I'm not here to tell anybody what to do with their kids. Like, I don't have kids, so I'm not going to be one of those people that says, do this with your kids, because, you know, I don't know what it's like to have them. Something that really, 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 really bugs me when I'm around people with kids, especially around mealtimes. And I don't say it out loud because it's not my place, but I'm kind of just... This is my way of saying it to people without saying it to anybody is forcing kids to finish everything on their plate or forcing them to just eat, just eat one more thing. Just have a little bit of that. Just how, okay, you're not having your dessert unless you have, like from that very young age, we're almost encouraging children. We're, we're telling children not to trust themselves and, and not like we're telling children, okay, no, you don't know when you're full, I'm going to tell you when you're full, or if you don't finish everything on your plate, you can't have a dessert, and then this is where the labels, and so it actually, it can start really from a young age, and I would always have this conversation with clients who were mums who would start to learn more about their food, and then start to become a little bit more curious about then what they're teaching their kids, because they realise that a lot of their ideals came from their parents and their home. I just think it's important for parents to really start to educate themselves around their their own relationship with food, but also how they're projecting that onto their children, because it all starts from somewhere. And even from that young age, kids are really, really receptive and they know their bodies, like they're not gonna let themselves go hungry. So I think it's just, it's important to let kids have that freedom with their food as well and actually one of my clients started doing this more with her son and he naturally started choosing things that were more nutritious he would you know stop when he's full she stopped asking him to finish things he started choosing more like nutritiously dense food over the more processed foods because he knows what's good for his body and actually just giving him that bit of control and a bit of that responsibility he started to really make choices that were good for him and good for his health so I just don't think we give kids enough credit for for their ability to be in tune with their own bodies because but I actually they're probably more in tune with most adults because they haven't had years and years and years of all that influence exactly that it's Everything you said is like exactly what I would encourage um, clients to do. Essentially, like when you go back and look at where your relationship with food started in terms of like struggles with it or certain um, thoughts or beliefs that you have around food, it can start so, so young. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether we're witnessing that through parents or whether it is that kind of experience of your parents saying, you've got to finish your plate before you're allowed to leave the table all those things that you've just mentioned and as you say it's it's starting to encourage from that kind of age not to trust yourself and I think adults we, we always think we know better yeah and of course life experience is like a really important thing but we've also as you say we've had layer upon layer of conditioning mm-hmm. to where we believe something that isn't necessarily true or we have behaviors that we don't even recognize ourselves and kids don't yet have any of that, luckily for them. So we can, as I'm not a parent myself, but I have very close friends who are, um, and just generally as kind of like leaders in this area, we 
can start to kind of look at the things that we are saying to kids, the things that we're doing in front of kids and so on as something we can choose. Mm-hmm. So are we going to choose to put on them this belief that has held me back for so long or that I saw my mum do or that I've been told by diet culture that's led me to pursue in a certain weight loss goal for, for my entire life? Is that what you want for your daughter? Is that what you want for your son? Is that what you want for the next generation of people? No, we want them to grow up with a healthy relationship to food. Mm-hmm. And whether that means them choosing like dessert for their dinner, if that's what they want to do, that's fine too. Because as you say, their natural innate ability to choose what's good for them will come back around and their bodies will ask for nutrition and what makes them feel good. Mm-hmm. It's just about allowing them that freedom. It's when you start restricting yeah. that all of the issues come in in like so many parts of life but particularly with food yeah no definitely the road that you started to go down before is actually one of the big topics that we wanted to go through today and that is how our relationship with food and our bodies can actually impact what we do with our lives the risks we take the things we do our ambitions our goals the career we started to go in the business we decide to start have you noticed in either your own journey or any of your clients journey how how one impacts the other yeah it's it's intrinsically linked and I think that for anyone who is kind of on this healing journey or is looking to start it you'll be so amazed when you do at the things that begin to unravel so when you are stuck in like a diet dieting cycle or a negative self-talk about your body, it spills over into like every area of your life because I'll, I'll take one of my um, very pivotal moments for me as an example. When I was living in the Channel Islands and I was heavily into a lot of exercise and the whole super clean eating business I was going to a work Christmas do Hmm. a new workplace hardly knew anyone on the island let alone like in the workplace and I desperately needed to make friends make connections so that I could have a social life some support network there all of those things that I was really lacking especially when you go to like a new place on your own and the Christmas party came up I went and the whole time I was there all I could think about was the calories in the food that I was eating and it was like a three core so I had a starter and a main and I was like could feel myself getting panicky about how much I was eating I had a small glass of red wine and the voice in my head was like cannot believe you've just drank that like why have you done that now you're gonna have to do an extra workout over the weekend all these things and then when we left I didn't have the dessert and people are having conversation and just enjoying themselves and all I could think about was this so I was really struggling to connect with anyone and have a genuine conversation and then we left and they were all going on for for like more drinks and socializing and one of the lads came up next to me and was like we haven't met yet introduced himself he was like are you going to come and have drinks with us we're really excited to like get to know you and the gym, my gym was round the corner from the place where we went. And I brought my gym bag with me. And I was like, no, I'm really sorry. I'm going to do a workout. And he was like, oh, 
And he's like, but it's the Christmas night out. I thought you were come with us. And I was like, no, no, I'm just going to go do a hop and go home. And he was like, okay. And then I went to the gym, went home. And then the next day, all I could think about was like how guilty I felt about what I'd eaten and the glass of wine I'd had. And then when I fast forward to now, I'm like the connections with other human beings, the friendships, the support, the fun, the joy, which is like all part of why we're really here to enjoy ourselves. I was missing out on because of these obsessive thoughts that were going on. So to bring it back to what we miss out on, it can quite literally be everything about life. When you are obsessively thinking about what you're going to eat next, how many calories are in it, how much you weigh, what workout you need to do, what you're going to do if you go somewhere and they haven't got the food that you usually eat and all these other things. You don't have any space left or energy left to enjoy yourself, to be creative. Mm-hmm. Notice the things that you actually want because if all you can focus on is you want weight loss, how are you going to focus on like, making an impact in life how are you going to focus on what you want from your career what you want from relationships Mm -hmm. so whether it is something as small as you want to go out and just enjoy a meal with a friend and actually connect with them instead of worrying or it's something as big as you know creating an empire and having a huge impact on as many people as you can You're never going to have the time, the energy, the space to pursue any of that because you're always being pulled back into this cycle over and over again Mm. where you feel desperate and stuck. So once I'm healing those things and what I've seen with other women is that at first it's like notice all this space being created within your mind and like within yourself and you're like, okay, this is new and interesting what am I going to do with this and then that little intuitive voice comes up of like what what would I like to do what am I here for what impact do I want to make and your creativity starts coming back your joy starts coming back your relationships with people improve like it just spirals into and this was making it sound super easy it's not (laughs) it's hard work but it's once you go through that it spirals into like joyfulness freedom you feel powerful like beforehand dieting was taking all of your power obsessing over your body was draining every bit of power that you had and you come into a space where you're like whoa okay like this is what life actually is it's almost like I'm basically living a completely new life it's crazy wow I think as well as a really big and where he says it's a lot of work I think this, this is why so many people don't don't ever get it because it is a lot of work and it's not just about the education. There's such a big validation and self-worth piece around it and that takes so much inner work. And if what I've noticed working with women in business now is that... Sorry, my... Does my sound sound, sound weird to you? No, sounds okay. Okay, it's just to me, but I'll just lower it. Um, what I've noticed working with women in more of the business space now is 
validation is a huge 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 thing and social media has not helped with that as much as we can use it to our advantage it's not helped with that and the self-worth is a huge issue as well when it comes to them like taking risks and doing things mm. and I think if you're if you're basing your self-worth on how you look and you're not accepting of how you look and or you're counting on validation coming in externally based on how you look but again you're not you've not accepted or you're not comfortable with how you look there's always going to be a gap and there's always going to be a lack of self-worth and that's going to be it's going to make it really hard for you to to take risks and to go for things and to do things like start businesses and, and build relationships and have the confidence to, you know, network with people and sell things if you don't feel worthy mm. of receiving the rewards that come with those things. So it's almost like you fight in a losing battle. I heard someone use the analogy once, actually, it was really helpful there. You put on your foot on the accelerator trying to work towards your goals, but because of your low self-esteem, low self-worth, your need for external validation is also just as strong. You also put your foot on the brake as well. So you're like, mm. you're pushing and you're pushing and you're pushing to try and achieve your goals. But all those limitations and all that inner work that's not being done is just hard on the brake. So you're not getting anywhere. And it's just until you've worked through you've done the inner work it's almost like you're never going to be able to bring your foot off the brake and actually go forward into you know what you're trying to build for your future so it's such it's such a big vast thing to work on and like you said it's not it's not it's not easy it's not and this is why people like you do what you do and this is why we have coaches because it's such a process and it's hard and it's emotional and you know you have to get deep and you have to be really vulnerable and you have to be really raw but obviously from where you are now it's totally worth doing all that work this is it it's you know it's terrifying because to truly do it the self-worth piece is is everything I think everything we do in life whether it's related to food and body like you know how you show up your relationships all of those other things always comes back to self-worth mm -hmm. like that is the main thing that holds us back because if your self-worth is low you're not gonna whether you realize it or not you're not gonna um value yourself enough to take certain steps you're not gonna have the confidence for this you're gonna believe a certain thing about yourself and all of that comes back to childhood like it just all and there's things that happen to us when we're older but it'll just be compounding on something we've experienced in childhood and there's there's an amazing um neural manifestation girl i don't know if you know her called lacey phillips and highly recommend to listen to her stuff she her podcast is expanded and she's got a brand called to be magnetic and she talks a lot about the self-worth piece and how it all comes back to like a couple of things that happened in our childhood and from there once we kind of go back and realize those things we can start reprogramming mm -hmm. but it is terrifying to go into all of that stuff and I think for me I kept bringing it back to and what I encourage women to bring it back to is 
how like how do you want to feel and who do you want to be yeah when we're always reminding ourselves of what it is that we actually want when we're in those like terrifying moments or we think I can't be bothered doing that I'd rather do whatever you know just to bring ourselves back for a moment and say what what do I want Mm -hmm. what is that what are the behaviors that I'm doing now holding me back from because we all have the potential and the ability to do so much and create so much and to have such like deep loving incredible relationships with others and ourselves but we've all we've got like a lens and a block of certain things over the top of that if we always bring ourselves back to what do we want what are we what do we want to create and then what are the steps I need to take to do that it can kind of like ground us in the fact that although the work is hard and scary on the other side of it is going to be this like creation of a magical life essentially and when I say magical I just mean love and joy and freedom it doesn't mean that like every day's good. Like you don't just magically start feeling amazing every day. You don't get rid of anxiety every day and all those sorts of things. But when you can be in a space where your body, how you look and what you're eating can just take a backseat or it can just be a source of enjoyment or fuel or whatever it is, you can then focus on the rest of life and create this. And I just think, do you want to spend your entire life in this cycle that you feel like you can't get out of pretty sure the answer for everyone would be no mm-hmm. okay so remind yourself that of every time it feels hard it's actually at the end of it harder to stay stuck in that yeah than it is to move forwards because you're going to get to the end of your life and go well it didn't really matter how much I weighed or what my gene size was but I kept putting off doing this healing work because it was scary and hard Mm-hmm. It is, but on the other side of it it's like everything that you can possibly want so yeah I just I think um knowing from myself and from people that I've coached like the ups and downs that come with it it's knowing at the start and accepting that that's going to be the case like it's not yeah. always going to be super easy and amazing and when you actually go into the depths and the hard parts you actually end up with more out of those bits than the days that are like, oh, this is great. You actually end up healing a lot more and learning a lot more. And then you're like, holy shit, I'm like really powerful. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And people try and avoid the failures or avoid the pitfalls and try and keep it perfect all the time. But actually like they're the things that make you who you are. Like they're the things that you learn from. They're the things that give you like the signals and the signs of of what to do next and what works and what doesn't work. And if anything, like we should be seeking to, you know, get into those situations where it all goes to shift because that's where you really like you find who you are. And you sound so cliche, doesn't it? It does, but it's but it's true. It's so true. Like it really does. It it does it. it it makes you and you you really see what you're made of I think when you open yourself up like that and you really start to get to know who you really are and then the impact that you have on others as well like once you start doing this yeah after a while other people start seeing it Mm -hmm. they start seeing the power that's there and you're creating this ripple effect and really you know like one of the main reasons that I believe personally that we're here now we've been born into this generation where we can spread our message across the world and like it instant thanks to the internet 
and like we are here to heal and like raise the consciousness of the planet essentially so that we can make sure our planet survives and that like we're move we're moving forward as as humans and I think then you know by doing the inner work it's that ripple this ripple effect onto everyone else mm-hmm. start happening and then when that's rippling out to more and more people you know this constant knock-on effect if we have a world that's more heavily full of people who are in their self-worth taking care of themselves support on one another all of these like huge issues that we have are going to become less huge so like this ripples onto horrible events that happen in the world things like climate change and all of that stuff when people are caring about themselves they start caring about their environment more when they start doing that they start acting and behaving more consciously more mindfully caring for one another looking after one another that just naturally brings about change yeah so it's not you know doing this work first and foremost should be for yourself because at the end of the day you should be your own priority I always believe that but it massively starts to transform what's around you you start to notice things happening that you thought would never happened in like family and friends and you're like oh okay that's interesting and it just ripples on and I genuinely believe that that's how we're going to kind of build build a new world where we're free from things like diet culture and all of this stuff that has weighed on us so heavily for so long and there's just so there's there's so much work to be done just around education education in schools education with parents and um, I hope I hope we get there at some point. I honestly don't think it will be in our lifetime. <laughs> I don't see that. What we that far happens, but I hope it does in the future. I don't know. Maybe we can set something up so it's, so something happens in the future. But it's just it, there's a huge, huge, huge lack of education and understanding around just the basics of food freedom. Yeah. And being accepting of your body and it has it has to start from as you said like childhood if you don't yeah. want to have to go through this now of almost trying to reverse or reframe those thoughts and think differently like it has to start somewhere but if it's going to start with kids it has to start from the parents and I think everybody's got a responsibility to especially if you're going to have kids or especially if you already have kids I think everybody has a responsibility to learn more about this for themselves and for for their kids and then for their kids kids and their kids 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 because as you said it it is that ripple and we're all we're all influencing each other and I don't think enough people realize when they are in an influence influential position I think like the word influencer now is like a thing, but it's like an Instagram thing or it's a job or it's a social media thing. Actually, you know, if you're a mom, you're an influencer. If you're a teacher, you're an influencer. If you're a coach, you're an influencer. If, you, if you're in a position of power and of influence, that carries a responsibility to be educated on things like this and pass that on to whoever it is that you're influencing. Yeah. And a lot of it is unlearning as well for like, you know, there's so many things we can learn, but a lot of it is unlearning in the sense that we believe all these things that we've been told like time and time again. So starting to like unlearn that and decondition from that and go, okay, well, like I was 
told by these magazines as I was growing up that if I had cellulite on my legs I had to do everything I can to get rid of it because it's bad no one should see that it's disgusting like how dare I get my legs out in shorts and I'm like okay let's just slowly start unlearning these things which takes a lot of time and it's like I think it's a a constant thing that we'll need to work on because we're always still getting these messages so when you stop the work you can kind of find that those messages start getting louder again so it, it is a continual evolution um but yeah as you say you know if we as adults unlearn what we've been told we can then understand the things that kids don't need to be hearing or seeing or things that we they need to be talked to about yeah. um in order to avoid them having to then unlearn all this stuff when they're older the way we have to now yeah no definitely I want everyone listening to be able to go away with almost like a like a step like a next step that they can do because obviously we've said this is a this is a process and depending on your history and depending on where you are it's going to be a different process for everyone and for some people it'll be longer than others and it probably does sound quite overwhelming to listen to all these things and be like okay, where do I start? Like, what do I even do next? What am I supposed to do? What's just like one or two things that people can start doing pretty much immediately that will just start to get them on the path of, you know, this recovery or the process, or I don't know exactly the term that you would use for it, but what can they do next from here? Yeah, so there's a few kind of like the actionable steps that you can take that will make a big impact and that aren't um they're not super difficult to do in terms of you can do this on your own you don't necessarily need support for this Mm -hmm. so number one that I always say to people is to slow down Mm -hmm. I've literally been saying this for so many years to everyone my key tip for everything but especially this is slow down learn to sit with yourself whether you need to put music on whether it needs to be like a walk in nature whether it needs to be um just being paying attention to things that you're doing you could be washing dishes and just paying attention to what you're doing rather than letting your thoughts race if you're always rushing through life and you never slow down you never kind of get a chance you never you've never got enough space to actually realize some of your behaviors, your thoughts, your patterns, your beliefs, you're just going on like this autopilot. And then before you know it, you've been through like another diet and cycle. You've compared yourself to all of these people. And now you feel awful. Like these automatic behaviors that we do can be quite damaging. So just slow right down and notice and observe. Even if you're noticing that like what's coming up is not very nice thoughts. I know that can be hard to sit with, but just notice that they're there so that's kind of like a first step to creating space and then secondly once you've managed to do that because that can take some practice if you're not used to it but once you've managed to do that is learning to like quiet that inner critic or to just shush down the negative self-talk because it can be really loud mm. and I did a post recently about this that's got some tangible steps but essentially it's naming that voice that comes up so you don't have to give it like a person's name but for me I literally call her Karen (laughs) yeah so we yeah so I had a client actually who did we it wasn't relationship with food we were talking about um like just general negative beliefs and boundaries (laughs) she she, 
she's like you're gonna think I'm crazy but I'm gonna tell you anyway and actually I thought it was a really good idea she described it as like a goblin she said I have yeah. imagine like a goblin character like next to my head and that's my negative voice perfect so like anything like that as I say it doesn't have you don't have to name it like a person's name but it can be even if you you know, a sort of like typical thing would be to think of the devil on the shoulder or whatever, whatever you want to think of it as your goblin, your um, inner Karen, <laughs> like, yeah, your inner Karen, like your the nasty godmother or whatever you want it to be. Like it can draw from kind of like typical things that people would think of. But that's that helps you to separate that um, voice from like yourself. Mm-hmm. And you can kind of look at it then as um it's this this like nasty opinion that's coming at you it's not actually you once you've kind of like named it or even just observed it as something that's separate to yourself you can then start to interrupt it so when it's coming up you've already done the first step of quieting down noticing things or being more mindful you're going to start noticing the voice more often like Maybe you'll go to like grab something to eat or you'll try on an outfit or something and the voice tries to come off. Oh, that doesn't look very nice on you. Like, you know, you're squeezing yourself into that or whatever it is. Like just a little nagging, nasty comments and you can interrupt it as it comes up. And the more you do it, the better you'll get. Like the voice will start and you might be a few minutes in before you've even noticed. The more you practice, you'll even feel it coming up. Mm -hmm quite literally say no stop you're not welcome here no thank you set a hard boundary with the voice and that doesn't mean it's not going to come up but you kind of just set an energetically like I'm not okay with this I'm not doing this I'm not I'm not speaking to you right now and then you can reframe whatever it is they've said Mm. so it was you know, I'm going to pick up a pack of crisps and the voice comes up like, you shouldn't be eating that, loads of calories, loads of fat in that, you're going to put weight on that spiral. I'm just like, okay, Karen, <laughs> thanks for your input. I need that right now. And, I- <laughs> and actually, then I'll do a reframe of like, I enjoy crisps and one pack of crisps isn't going to affect me bad or good. Mm-hmm. It's food. Thanks. I'll, I'll speak to you another time. <laughs> time you know like whatever it is for you like a reframe that works like it's good to notice what comes up really regularly because you'll probably have patterns around when it comes up for different people it's different um once you notice those patterns you can sit down and write out some reframes of like what's typical that comes up and what can you switch it around to and you don't have to switch it around to like I love my body I'm so amazing it can just be something that's neutral rather than nasty yeah. And as you go, you're more likely to be able to switch to something kind. Yeah. Rather than nasty, but those are like the first steps. And then the last thing, actually, there's two two final things that I tend to ask people to do is detox your social media. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. mentioned something before where you were like, it depends what world you're paying attention to. And that's really important. So I always encourage clients to spend like half an hour to an hour going through like if they predominantly on Instagram or whatever they're on mostly TikTok whatever people like to look at go through and just cleanse any accounts that don't make you feel good Mm -hmm. or you in comparison mindset and some people are like oh I know but this is like a fitspo page and it it makes me like motivated for exercise and I'm like but does it yeah do you 
yeah. good after you've looked at that page if you don't feel good after you've looked at the page get rid of it you can always come back to it in the future when you've done some healing work and then use it as motivation mm-hmm. just follow whatever it is that you need to do and then replace that with things that make you feel good in yeah. whatever area of your life it is and then the last thing is focus on how your body feels rather than how it looks now like this isn't to say you're never going to notice how your body looks like the day I put makeup on because it makes me feel nice yeah. so it, say like you should never you should just completely never look at yourself in the mirror or you know throw all of that out that's unrealistic but focus on how your body feels rather than how it looks is really powerful in the sense that you just start noticing kind of like what what works for you and what doesn't and then you start thinking like oh god why was I doing x y and z so I think a lot of people notice this after the pandemic it's like loads of people were like I'm not wearing really tight clothes again I'm not wearing like dead skinny jeans all the time because it wasn't comfortable yeah and while I kind of you know if you want to go and do that when you're going on a night out or you meet people like you don't need to be doing that every day like put your body in a position where it feels good yeah and (laughs) when we do that we're honoring our body's needs and your body will be thankful for it and generally you will feel better in yourself and then that bad body image day can actually turn around quite quickly if you decide to switch into something that's comfortable like if you're squashing yourself into something what are you going to focus on all day you're going to focus on the bits that are being squashed in because if you're wearing something like comfortable and that fits you properly you'll forget about it and you'll just get on with the day so just noticing how you feel and trying to prioritize that over how you look is a really big step as well amazing that was so helpful where can people find you so i am predominantly on instagram so nice and easy i'm at abby coaches and abby is a b b y um you can work with me one-to-one um coaching i do supercharged like support calls where it's like a one-off call um and some voice note support i've got a few master classes for people and also i am starting some really cool um like body image meditation hypnosis like deep um work because i love spirituality and science together so it's going to be brain rewiring and neural reprogramming stuff combined with like a spiritual aspect to help people right like really deeply get into that zone where they can start reprogramming things which i think is some of the work people are kind of scared of but i'm going to make it nice and safe and comfortable and for people to come and join those and i'm going to do them each month so if that sounds interesting then i'd love to have (laughs) anyone who wants to join that sounds so good and just (laughs) just on that on the meditation people I do think people are do tend to be quite scared of meditation or they think oh you know it's not for me like I can't do that I can't it's just because they don't understand it and actually I know that Abby is definitely somebody who makes meditation accessible for everybody she does it in a way that it, it it almost it brings it down a few notches. It's not super, super woo-woo. Like it, it's really yeah. good for people who are experienced, but it's also really good for people who are brand new and they've got no idea what they're doing. And, you know, they're not they're not used to it. They don't have a practice in it. So it, it is a bit of a daunting thing, I think, to try. But if you can do it with the support of someone and guided by someone who understands what it's like to be a beginner, which Abby does, then um, it's, a really, it's a really good place for you to to start but I will tag Abby's 
Instagram in the show notes. So if you forget what that is, you can just click on the link. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you. That was really, really fun to talk about. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed it. Honestly, it was so good.